Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so it's kind of a weird wrinkle of this NBA season where the Warriors and Pelicans play all three of their games for the season within a matter of 14 days. And those will be uh, among the most important games during this final stretch for both teams. And it starts tonight with the first of a back-to-back set in New Orleans. These teams have not played before, like I said. There's there's stars in the mix, Steph Curry, Zion Williamson. Uh, the Pelicans are coming off of a two-game winning streak. And Jake Madison joins me now. He is the host of Locked On Pelicans, my colleague over at Locked On NBA. He hosts on Wednesdays, the day after I host on Tuesdays. Uh, Jake, thanks so much for uh, joining me. Um, the first thing that I want to kind of get a sense of is how important this game is, or the, the, the set of games are for the Pelicans. Have players and coaches acknowledged the importance of these these games coming up? No, they, so they're massively important, right? Like there's there's no way to get around that. These these two games in particular probably make or break the Pelican season at the very least. They haven't outright said anything and given kind of the precarious situation they're in with only eight games left to go and they've got to make up through two and a half games in the standings to get into the playing tournament. Like every game matters. They're not, they're not saying it. They're trying to kind of approach it one game at a time. They've known every game's mattered for a little while now. So nothing overt about it but let, like let's let's not pretend these two games are huge probably for both teams here yeah i mean the pelicans are three games behind the warriors right the warriors uh as, as of monday morning are in ninth place in the western conference uh the pelicans like i said they're three games back uh currently in 11th place but that's what's so interesting about these games is normally three games with only seven or eight games left in the regular season would be too big of a gap to, to sort of bridge but with given that these games sort of count double in in some respects yeah. and, and that all of them have been grouped t- together. It'd be one thing, right? If the Pelicans and Warriors played in December and in January and they're getting their last one out and, the, you know, maybe there would be a tiebreaker at stake here or something, but this is so I- extreme. You just kind of double the importance of each one of these games. If, if the Pelicans go two and one in these games, for example, they're right in the mix of knocking Golden State out and taking that play in spot from them. And, and that's, that's what to me is interesting. I don't think that the Pelicans think that uh, whoever came up with the play-in tournament idea should be fired. Is what I'm saying. No, definitely, definitely not. <laughs> and I love the play-in tournament because always this this game might not have kind of the same stakes, right? This game wouldn't be on ESPN mm-hmm. and the the superhero game or whatever it is that they're doing with this. There's this is this game has like massive implications, and you could look at it of the Pelicans who are on the outside looking in, in some sense, control their own destiny, right? It's rare that you're kind of in that position. You win these three games against the Warriors, which, as you mentioned, due to the weird scheduling of all of this, is all all within these next two weeks. That's massive. If you win all three of those, you know, that's the team that we're looking at that's likely going to get in. And the other one might be looking uh, on the outside. And that's not factoring in what's going on with the San Antonio Spurs and what they're doing. But each team kind of controls their own destiny. And it's rare you get a situation like this at the very end of the regular season. So I think this is... Awesome. Like for a Monday night game that people yeah. might skip, th- th- there's some serious stakes attached to this. It's really exciting. And I was telling somebody this morning, I, I don't know about you, Jake, but it, it could be tough 
to kind of follow one team throughout the entire regular season. There are definitely dog days of of content creation. You know what I mean? And oh, God, for the yeah. for, for, <laughs> and for the first for the first time in a while, I'm I'm like really excited just to watch this basketball game, and I'm not stressed out about having to write my game story or do the post game pod or anything like that. And like I don't I don't mean to to complain about my job, love my job, but uh, it is rare that I get this excited at this point in the season for something the way that I am excited for this game. Uh, it, there's so much going on. You met, we, we talk about everything at stake. It's Zion versus Steph. Like let's, just that alone is interesting. And there's a bunch of matchups in this game that are going to be really important in deciding who wins, not just this game, but the series in general. Uh, and that will be fun to watch. And, and, I, and that's kind of where I want to go next. The, the, the biggest matchup to me in this series. And I want to kind of talk about this as a series, because in some respects, you get two games back to back, and then you get a game next week against New Orleans. It's not exactly a playoff series, but it may have that kind of feel, right? Where both teams are kind of mm-hmm. laying their punches, and then the other team adjusts. But the biggest matchup, I think, is Zion Williamson versus Draymond Green. What Zion Williamson has done, not, uh, you know, all season, but specifically recently, I mean, he's been one of the best 10 players in the NBA, probably has uh, made it a, a mark uh, cut, uh, or stamped out a spot on one of these all NBA teams. Um, but if there's going to be somebody who could slow him down, I would imagine it would be Draymond Green. You know, I it, so from from your aspect, yeah, I think this is kind of the, the most important thing. And, you know, Draymond Green is probably one of the few people that are equipped to defend him better you know, in a one-on-one situation more so than others. Since, what is it, since April when he came back from a little bit of an injury and a layoff, Zion is averaging 29 points per game. He's shooting 60% from the field. He's grabbing seven rebounds, dishing out four assists. He's turning the ball over about three times, but whatever. Like, they're pretty insane numbers what he's able to do, right? Like, he just had a game against the Minnesota Timberwolves where I don't have it in front of me, but I think he was 14 of 18 from the field. And he'll have games where he shoots under 75% and you're almost disappointed in him and you feel like something went wrong and it wasn't a good game. And that's like an insane number, right? Like some of the things he's doing, everyone knows what he's doing. He's going to drive from the perimeter. He's going to go left. And he's going to try and finish with his left hand. You know this. I know this. The opposing team knows this and no one can stop him. He finishes like a guard. Part of it is because when you put a big man out on the perimeter, you know, they're not used to someone of his size, his strength, having that kind of athleticism in the finishing touch. They can't keep up with him, and either they're gonna he's gonna blow by them, or they're gonna challenge him with a big at the rim, and that big's not strong enough to take him on. But Draymond Green can kind of do a little bit of everything, right? Like right. he's he's not having the impactful offensive season, but if there's a guy that can slow Zion Williamson down, I would assume it would be Draymond Green, and I'm assuming you're gonna see their minutes mirrored basically equally, and you're gonna see him try, trying to be draped all over Zion in this game. You mentioned the strength. Draymond has the strength. How many times have we seen over the years a big guy go up against, like a seven footer, go up against Draymond and try to just back him down because Draymond's six foot six, generously speaking, and that big man gets like stonewalled and is still ten feet away from the basket when he's usually about at that point three feet away from the basket. He just looks around like, "What's happening? What's going on? Why can't I get past this brick wall? This like short little brick wall?" Uh, that's Draymond. And then and then obviously he's got the the lateral quickness and all those things to defend out on the perimeter. Even at this age, he's still uh, operating at that high level. But then you mentioned the the moves that Zion has, that left hand, everything that we know is, he's going to go to. If anybody's going to scout that and be aware of it, it's going to be Draymond, right? I'm not saying he's yeah, going like to hit it every be time. Barking orders and, yeah. No, but he's going to know what this Pelicans team is trying to do. And look, there, there's not... 
There's some offensive threats in Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball if his threes are falling outside of Zion. But you know what? For the most part, like, no, you want to focus in on Zion. So I'm assuming it's also going to be Draymond plus someone else, right? I, I would guess the Warriors are going to be very okay with losing this game if Zion scores 18 points, but it's Lonzo Ball who hit nine threes in this game or something like that. And that's why you lost. You kind of live with that, I think. And so this is going to be really them, and at least in my best guess, of trying to deny Zion doubling him and forcing other pelicans to beat you other teams do this too right like that's how you yeah. beat this team it's it's not a secret the problem is even doubling zion he can still score around most people and he's done it he's got that just dirty spin move that is so lightning fast and there's just almost nothing you can do about it except for draymond green he's gonna know these right like he's a very intelligent guy smart dude that's going to have scouted this kind of knows and can anticipate some of the things that Zion is going to try and do. And so this is a really fun chess match to watch those two guys kind of go at each other on that side of the ball. And the Warriors have been really aggressive about doubling players this season, more so than I even think in seasons past. They don't switch as much anymore. I think that's teams think that the Warriors opponents think that the Warriors are going to come out and switch everything. They switch a lot, but not as much as people think, but they're very aggressive in doubling. They've done it all year long with Zion. I could see Kevon Looney or, or Andrew Wiggins being involved in doubles um, a lot on the low block and things like that. Uh, but I, it wouldn't shock me if Steve Kerr came out and was maybe a little bit less aggressive on doubling at first, just to see what it looks like Draymond versus Zion at first and how much help Draymond really needs because to use an NFL type of comparison, it's like when you have a great defensive end who you don't need to blitz linebackers in order to get pressure. And suddenly that frees up the rest of your defense to do point. other things. Um, or like a Richard Sherman type where you can just put him on an Island, call it a day. And then the rest of your, be- your, your, your safeties and corners can, can cover the rest of the field. Uh, so it may be, and, and look, if this is just a one-off game, maybe Steve Kerr doesn't even bother with that and just goes out and just tries to win this thing. But um, given that it's, a little, like I said, a little bit of a series, you might try to figure out ways in order to free up some of these other defenders uh, and think a little bit more long-term anyway. Support for today's episode comes from Indeed. You're the hiring expert for your company, and what you really need is help making your shortlist of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster, only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications, and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately, and Indeed skills tests that on average reduces hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests that add and then add them to your must-have requirements so that you only pay for the applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com locked. Indeed.com locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. You mentioned how it's kind of disappointing when Zion doesn't go out and shoot 75% of the field. That's kind of the way it feels watching Steph. Like, when he doesn't score 35, it's like, oh, he was off tonight. Which is crazy. Like, he'll have a 29-point game where he goes, you know, 9 of 12 from the field or something. And it's just like, eh, he wasn't really on it tonight. Uh, What does New Orleans do with Steph Curry, do you think? 
he, the, the answer to that is probably lets him go for 60 or something like that in, <laughs> in both of these games to some degree, given the Pelicans defense. But like, that's the matchup to me. You know, you talked about it from your perspective of Draymond and Zion. And I'm looking at this game and being like, okay, wh- what do they do to contain Steph Curry? We've seen the Pelicans struggles defending the three-point line. Guards this season have absolutely lit them up. And now you're going to get Steph, who's on like a heater like we haven't seen in a while before. On Lockdown NBA, John and I have to do the the like Nickelodeon Ultra Player of the Week. We gave it to Steph Curry last week for all the damn threes he had hit in the week prior than that. It was <laughs> unreal. And now the Pelicans are going up against him, and it's like, Okay, so I would assume they're going to start with Lonzo Ball on him. You know, Stan Van Gundy's defense is kind of predicated on one-on-one matchups and, and handle your guy. That hasn't really worked all year. He hasn't really made changes to that. So I would assume they're going to start with that. And then it's going to be curious to see if they trap him and just try and force the ball out of his hands and let anyone else beat them, right? Like this is Warriors team's pretty banged up. And when you look at some of the other offensive threats on there, I'm not I'm not as scared about him. And again, you go in with your best game plan. And if a guy like Kent Bazemore hits six threes, you just kind of shrug your shoulders and, and live with that degree of variance, I think, with it, knowing that your game plan was sound. So, you know, it, it, I would Kent assume Baze, it's going to be Kent- Kent Bazemore has made a career of being the guy that you just shrug your shoulders and say, all right, if he hits six threes. Like, that's his entire career. He's been around for so long on so many like good enough teams who have done that. Like, but like, right. you, you get it, right? Like, he came out the best, the best player, and here it's Steph Curry. So I would assume it'll be Lonzo Ball, who's an above-average defender, but I don't think nearly as good as what what people think about him. He's not a bad defender, but again, you know, it, it's Steph Curry. He's pretty pretty tough to guard. If he's getting hot, I, I bet they'll try and trap him using a big or maybe a guy like Najee Marshall off the bench to throw a little bit more length there. But that's not necessarily an easy thing, too. And that's where you see this Warriors team start to pass the ball around really well and create create and find the open guy with that. And the Pelicans do a horrible job of scrambling. If they force the ball out, but they've committed on that guy with with a double team or something like that, and the ball starts rotating around, you're not going to see a worse team trying to kind of get in scramble mode and figure out what to do. And it's going to lead to a lot of open shots. For the Golden State Warriors and your team is very, very good at passing the ball. Yeah. So I think you're going to see something like that. So I, I don't feel great about the Pelicans defense in this. And you're just basically kind of at that point relying on the other guys on Golden State to ho- hopefully miss, which you know what? It's it's not necessarily the worst bet potentially. No. And, and look, the, the Pelicans over the last 10 games, and I haven't been watching them obviously as closely as you have, but they're fourth in the league in defensive rating. So I don't know what's if, if something is clicked, I, I don't know what's going. Is it just is it soft scheduling? Like what's happening there? A mix of both. You know, I, I I honestly think this is their defense was tanked early on in the year, partially by them. Like they're not a good defensive team, and then they went through a stretch where they couldn't make threes, and their opponent was just making everything like unbelievably hot games for opponents that are just kind of one-offs and those one-offs just kind of kept Mm. happening to new Orleans. And now they're kind of in that stretch, you know, it's like the regression to the mean, right? Where all of a sudden now opponents just aren't making shots. So that fourth in defensive rating thing, I think is a little bit of smoke and mirrors and more due to opponents missing wide open threes than the Pelicans actually doing anything. The Pels try to take away the rim. That's kind of the, the, the main part of the defense, eliminate the rim. Don't send guys to the free throw line and live with open threes, but from subpar shooters, similar to what the Bucks have done the past couple of years. The problem was those guys were just making those shots against New Orleans, but it evens out over the course of the season. So the past month or so, you've seen teams not be as hot from three against them, even though they're generating very good looks. 
And you mentioned trying to get them scrambled and everything like that. And that's why I could see the Warriors leaning even more into the Steph Curry, Draymond Green pick and roll in this series because you mentioned having oh, long... done a good job with that all, all season yeah. long, right? Like they, they've been really good at creating space that way. It's been the staple of the offense, especially after James Wiseman went down. They just leaned to it even more. And 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 I should also shout out Kevon Looney. That that Kevon Looney, uh, 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 Steph Curry pick and roll has been really big because guys, teams put their worst, uh, or, or teams will put their worst defender on Draymond or put their center on Draymond and just sag off of him because they're just comically playing off of him now. It's crazy. They're just, if you want to shoot mm-hmm. a three, great. And my favorite thing now is when Draymond makes one of you know, eight three-pointers, and he makes the one, <laughs> and he looks at the bench like, this is why you have to guard me. And I, I'm just like, no, man, this is literally the law of averages. We're still – you're going to miss the next seven. That's how this is going to work. Nobody's going to guard you. But it, it it's it, it's been interesting to watch the Warriors lean in even more into that because as those guys sag off of him and sag off of Kevon Looney, you go you just go right into a pick and roll with Steph, and boom, he's got, he's got space for ages. And it's just crazy teams trying to adjust to that. And, and so I wonder – does Zion Williamson start on Draymond? And if he does, does he get involved in that Steph Curry, uh, Draymond Green pick and roll action? And if he does, do the Warriors just go into that even more in order to try to, I guess, tire Zion Williamson out in some respect? Yeah, this is something I was thinking about yesterday and this morning a little bit of like the center situation for New Orleans, right? Like Steven Adams is questionable for this one. Him in the pick and roll like that in space isn't going to be the best you're going to need a guy that's a little bit more athletic and a little bit more mobile you've got Mm -hmm. uh billy hernan gomez off the bench but he defensively is not great so does it kind of come to jackson hayes in that role to some degree too a guy who at least has athleticism and can kind of keep up with that depending on what the pelicans want to do in that pick and roll situation but i would assume it's going to be zion on draymond to start He's not a good defender, so that's kind of the best way to put him in. At times, he's been a liability out there on the defensive side of the ball. But if you start getting him involved in the pick and roll, you can kind of hunt that matchup a little bit better. The question, you know, part of the problem is the Pelicans don't have anyone that fights over screens really well. Like Lonzo Ball's not good at that. So if Draymond's setting the screen, you almost have to switch to some degree or at that point just kind of trap Steph Curry and and deal with what it might be. But then you get in those long rotations, the scramble situation to try and create an open shot. And I don't know, like the Pelicans are going to be in a, in a tough spot defensively unless they have kind of the right plan for that or just a guy that's going to kind of rise to the, that level. And that's why I wonder if you're going to see Najee Marshall involved in this undrafted rookie who's been pretty impressive off the bench for New Orleans. He's he's a plus defender. He's got a good enough three point shot, you know, and while not taking a starring role, using him in this type of situation, I think is exactly why you have a guy like that. And I think that's going to maybe be what could swing this matchup to some degree. And and with all that stuff being said, what defenses have done, much worse defenses even in New Orleans, is at the end of the day, just throw as many bodies at Steph as you can. I mean, you're routinely seeing three or four guys. Of anyone else to beat you, right? Like, that's it. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes it's worked. And it's worked on nights when Steph – look, Steph's going to get his 30 probably either way. It just might take more yeah, shots. But he's going to get it. Um, but the way that teams have beaten the Warriors – and this is not like a tough team to beat – it happens pretty often, more times than not, actually, is by forcing the other players to beat them. And on those nights, those players not stepping up. The Andrew Wiggins, the Kent Bazemore, all these guys. When Draymond yeah. Green just is, like, refusing to shoot the ball. Those are the times when the Warriors have struggled. And it's been a lot of times so far this season. Uh, I look specifically at that Andrew Wiggins-Brandon Ingram matchup there. That may end up, over the course of the series, deciding who gets the edge in this thing. 
It, it definitely could, right? You know, that's a guy for New Orleans who's been an all-star last year. Is I have to take a look at his numbers right now, but he's he's basically averaging the same numbers per game this season as he did last year in his All Star mm-hmm. year, just with a different shot profile. He has games where he's off though. You know, he against the Timberwolves, he was four of seventeen. That's not really going to get it done. It, this is kind of one of those things where he probably needs to score thirty in this if if Steph's getting a little bit hot to kind of keep up with it. Right? He's definitely capable of doing that, but it sometimes is going to be him in that mid range game. And that's what he's taking more of this year than last year, just due to some spacing issues and the presence of Zion who just draws defenders right down low. The paint is kind of mucked up because you've got to throw two, three guys at times at Zion and it leaves it so that he can't drive. So if his mid range jumper is falling, good luck. Like you can't guard that. He's going to get that uh, all game long. If he wants it, if it falls, yeah, he's, he's going to be fine. The problem is, is he going to be able to defend so is he going to make life difficult for Andrew Wiggins, or is it just more Wiggins is going to be open and Wiggins is either making or missing shots? Support for today's show comes from Bet Bet BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NBA is making the final playoff push, and the NHL season and Major League Baseball are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost everything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but unlike most protein bars, it actually tastes good and it's good for you. Built Bar is great for health-conscious men and women, whether you want to maintain or lose weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great if you're on the keto or other low-carb diet, and they have nine different flavors available now and always creating and releasing new, exciting flavors. Built Bar has been with us for a long time, and I've been eating Built Bars for a long time, usually in the late afternoon between lunch and dinner. It's a good way to give me that extra boost I need to finish up work late in the day. And like I said, Built Bar has been friends of the show for almost a year now, and we appreciate the partnership that we've built. So support the show by supporting those who support us. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off on your next order. Again, use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Yeah, and Wiggins at times has thrived as a cutter. He's actually a really talented cutter, really good feel good sense of when to when to make the move and when and, and kind of ha, has an ability to fake out defenders he's a little bit uh sneakier than people give him credit for when it's when it comes to cutting to the basket but it's got to be he's just got to want it and it's just so often been the thing with Wiggins is him understanding that the space is there for him to operate in that way um he is questionable by the way for tonight's game with right knee soreness so we'll see what happens the Warriors did not shoot around Monday morning so he'll, that's probably more of a game time decision uh we'll see i He's been an Iron Man all season long. I, I tend to lean on the side, even though he's questionable uh, of him playing. But certainly, over the course of the series, he'll be available uh, more likely than not, depending on the severity of this this knee situation. But um, Look, I think he'll yeah, have those cuts if he wants them. Like if he yeah. wants that, that'll be there. The Pelicans have like no court awareness out there. It's so many backdoor cuts and just people not paying attention. So if he wants to cut baseline or something like that. He's going to have the ability to, and they will be able to get him the ball. I guess it's interesting to hear that it's like his motivation, just like, why aren't you doing this this really obvious thing that you should be doing? We see that here with, with New Orleans, too, with some of the players. So it sounds like, based on this conversation, that you're leaning towards Golden State uh, having the advantage here. 
So somewhat, you know, I, I, I worry about the Steph Curry matchup and I saw it do over at betonline.ag that it was Pelicans minus two and a half, which surprised me to some degree. But then you look at the Warriors roster and it's like, I, you know, I, I did a I did a show with um, Jackson Frank who covers the Sixers and he was talking to me about something. And I was like, man, you're, you're overthinking it, right? Like if you can defend Steph Curry and force those other guys to beat you, say in this example, I'll take those odds and I'll feel good about the team actually winning. The question is how much are they able to contain Steph Curry? And then maybe they lose because those guys get hot. So I think it's kind of 50-50 to a certain degree, right? Like this is one of those ones. If Draymond does a good job against Zion Williamson, you probably don't feel those Pelicans players can step up and carry enough of the offense to score. Just like I don't believe a lot of the Warriors players regularly over three game series that we're kind of looking at here can do that over that kind of thing. So I feel a little bit more confident in New Orleans, but to me, it's it's kind of a coin flip. Yeah, and you're right. Sometimes we do overthink this. I mean, based on everything we, we just said. We don't need to, right? <laughs> everything we just said is there's going to be five players playing for each team at any given moment, and those players are going to match up with each other, and both teams have some really good players and some not-so-good players, and it kind of depends on which players play better. And I, I would, and whichever team plays better is probably going to win the game. It's kind of what we're saying. Yeah, yeah, I know it sounds dumb, right? When, when, when it's not like that. It's like, wow, why do, why do we get paid money to do this? But he, he was telling me, he was like, okay, so how do the, the the like, shouldn't the 76ers try and, like, double Zion, but also, like, close out on shooters? So maybe you've got to leave Zion open. And I'm like, why would you close out on the shooters? Just just double Zion and don't right. overthink it, right? Yeah. You, you'd much rather take away that shot. Zion shoots 60-something percent at the rim. That's the equivalent of a guy that shoots like 53%. I did the math on it at one point. It's probably changed. That's the equivalent of like a 53% shooter from three. So unless that sh- if that shooter is 45%, it's in your best interest to double Zion down low and eliminate that. Yeah, that guy make, might, might make shots, but your, your process, your game plan was sound, and you just sometimes have to deal with that variance, right? Like that's the kind of way I look at it with this game. Take care of Steph. Force Andrew Wiggins. Force Kevon Looney, force, force Kent Bazemore because he's that dude to beat you. And if they do, you lose. You, you do the little shrug emoji, but you at least kind of feel good about it, right? Like that's and kind what of are the odds? I, what I are the odds of, of the Warriors? If you do a good job in doubling and even triple teaming Steph, just get the ball out of his hands. What are the odds that Kent yeah. Bazemore and Andrew Wiggins beat you two out of three times? Not great, no, right? Not, not and that's at basically all. the like, math the entire league has done on the Warriors. Yeah. Yeah, like that, that's the thing. You know, Wiggins is averaging 18.1 points per game. Okay, that's good. But I'm, I'm pulling it up and it's going crazy here. Baseball's averaging what, 6.7. Like you live with the dude averaging 6.7 points to take open shots. And yes, sometimes they might play better than, they, than they've shown, than their averages are over the course of the season, and you lose. But losses happen. Like you're not looking to go perfect every game. And that's why this, this kind of matchup here is interesting. We're not looking at it on a one-game basis, right? We're looking at it over three, which kind of changes some of the thinking about it, I think. It absolutely does. Like I said, it's going to be a little bit of a playoff series. Um, you mentioned Zion shooting 60% being the, at the rim, being the equivalent of a guy shooting 50-something percent from three-point range. That's Steph Curry. You kind of have the inverted yeah, version of both. The that you, so <laughs> yeah, you, have, exactly. you have one team in the Warriors just being like, whatever we need to do to take Zion's thing away. And then you have the Pelicans doing whatever we need to do to take Steph's thing away. And now, and you're just gonna have a bunch of role players and high-level role players. In the case of guys like Wiggins and Ingram, um, all-star, borderline all-star, and Brandon Ingram, I still like Brandon Ingram. Um, you know, trying to lift their team. And Zion and Steph, they're gonna both opponents are gonna do what they can to take their thing away, but they're gonna still get theirs. 
This is going to be a really exciting game, a really exciting series. The, you mentioned this is the reason why it's on ESPN. This, the play-in tournament has worked just because of this. Um, it's just really interesting. And both teams are going to play fast. They have star power. I'm really, like I said, really excited for this game. I can't believe how excited I am for this game. Before I let you go, Jake, I just wanted to get your impression on uh, – th- these These are two teams, though, have, they have not played at all this season – had been, were connected earlier on the season, specifically when it came to a Kelly Oubre for Lonzo Ball yep. trade rumor that was out there. Just brief, what was your take on that, and should the Pelicans have uh, pulled the trigger on that? Uh, so I, I don't know how real that was. I can tell you for certain the Pelicans were shopping Lonzo Ball. To what degree were they shopping him? I'm not entirely sure. I think part of that was them doing their due diligence just to kind of figure out some of his value, given that he's in a restricted free agent situation. Right. Same impression I got from the Warriors and Kelly Oubre. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like, I think they were just talks to kind of to to try and do some of this evaluation stuff. So, no, I I don't think the Pelicans would have done that. You know, I'm not sold on Lonzo Ball as a max guy. and Maybe he gets a max or a 24 plus million dollar deal, which would make me a little bit uncomfortable in free agency. But at a certain point, I think you can also just let a guy walk. You'd like to get some back for him, but that's what a sign-and-trade scenario is. So I think the Pelicans played it right by keeping him, seeing what he's capable of doing, um, and then just trying to make that decision. He, he's a really interesting player, right? Like, he just had eight threes in a game. It's the second time he's done that this season. But offensively, that's kind of what he gives you. He doesn't drive to the basket. When you watch this game, look at how many times he, like, steps foot in the paint. It's going to be under five I think and so it'll be mm. kind of interesting to watch he's got real limitations as a player but does enough that makes him so damn intriguing yeah I think the Warriors are in the same spot too with Kelly Oubre and his value across the league is hey he's super athletic he's six foot seven and he could score a lot of points sometimes and and defensively he tries really hard I think that there's definitely an effort there and that stuff matters over the course of a regular season it does it's just relentless his effort on the defensive end and you got to respect it but uh, he has this look of, and Lonzo is very similar in this way. It's like, oh yeah, you know, he should be kind of this player. Kelly Oubre, with everything that he brings to the table, he's like, he should be converting at a Zion-like rate at the rim, right? He should be shooting 50% or better mm-hmm. at, at the basket, and he doesn't at all. Like, he misses more dunks than I think than anybody else in the NBA with the uh, the volume at which he tries to dunk. Uh, he, and some of that is just degree of difficulty stuff, and sometimes you're just like, man, just lay it up. Why are you trying to do this, like, crazy tomahawk, one-handed jam through traffic? <laughs> uh, and he's like, because I'm Kelly Oubre, and that's what I do. And you're like, all right, that's a good answer. Um, but even when he tries to just do the layup, sometimes it's just an inch off and he misses it. And and it's sort of maddening. And both of these players, Lonzo Ball and Kelly Oubre, and that's, I just thought that was so interesting when both of those t- players were connected because they play very different positions, very different kinds of games. But in terms of their value, I think they have value across the league for a similar reason. And in that, this is what they could do. This is kind of what they look like they should be able to do. But they don't really do it every single night. And I guess that's really the No, exactly. That's, yeah. that's a really good way to put it. And they show you like just enough that you could talk yourself into right. it. You know, and so if you're like a team like the Knicks with Lonzo Ball, like you look at that and a guy, oh, he makes eight threes per game. He's shooting close to 40% for three. Like that's wonderful. But they come on like catch and shoot scenarios. So he's not creating that shot for himself. It's not off the bounce, you know. And so there, you've got to look past a lot of that stuff to like kind of really see the value of this player. I don't know. Lonzo Ball's free agency is going to be really, at least to me, really, really interesting. Yeah, the Warriors really rolled the dice on Ubre not moving him at the deadline. Um, he's going to be unrestricted, unlike Lonzo, right? So he could just walk away for nothing. Uh, yeah. And and the Warriors won't get anything back or even have an opportunity to match. Like there's nothing they he. He could just go away if he wants. Uh, here's a prediction to end the show on. I think both of them end up on the Knicks. Oh, man. I, I, I can't tell if that's a good move or not. 
I can for the Knicks tell no. I actually really <laughs> like what the Knicks are doing this year. Yeah. I like, really like what the Knicks are doing, but like, look, good, good. I like Lonzo Ball. I think for what yeah. he does, he gives you like just enough, right? But at $27 million, $24 million, good, good luck and have a nice life in New York. That's right. Um, all right, Jake, thanks for joining me. Uh, remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Warriors and Locked on Pelicans wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, and say nice things about the shows. Uh, thanks for listening. 